Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Today's Medicine Remix show is brought to you by Racopressin, the first ever anti-racism elixir, now available in Blackberry. Are you still doubling down on your vote to make America hate again? I mean, great again. Who are we kidding? I was right the first time. Does the sight of professional athletes kneeling in nonviolent protest during national anthems piss you off? Have you started statements with the phrase, I'm not racist, but if you answered yes to even one of these questions, I think it's safe to say that you should talk to your doctor about racopressin. After analyzing centuries of oppression data, scientists have finally boiled down the solution for racism to simple neurochemistry. You see, racopressin is a racemic mixture of four synthetic neurochemical molecules that are emotional analogs to rationality, awareness, compassion, and empathy, R-A-C-E, race. Clinical trials have shown racopressin has been effective at reducing a range of symptoms from being semantically crippled by phrases like Black Lives Matter to denying your alleged racism by claiming to have one or more friends of the race you are being accused of being racist towards. Racopressin, race the hate out of your world. Side effects of racopressin may include colorblindness. And to clarify, we're talking about the real colorblindness, not the closet racist, I don't see color bullshit. You still see people colors, just not red, white, or blue, coincidentally, by a rare subset of people. Another common side effect of racopressin is dry mouth, or cotton mouth if you prefer. And if you actually prefer calling it the latter when given the option to choose, talk to your doctor about racopressin extra strength. Finally, don't eat white chocolate while on racopressin, especially if you prefer it to regular chocolate at baseline. Now, back to some more peace of medical mind on Medicine Remixed. What it do, Remix crew? It's your boy, Rish. It's your favorite podcast, Medicine Remixed. And we have a bit of a throwback episode for y'all today. Actually, it's more of a lost episode, more than anything. So me and Dee recorded this session about five years ago with our boy, Dr. Leroy Lindsay, who's now an assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation at Will Cornell Medical College and New York Presbyterian Hospital. We talk about everything from being a minority in medicine, tatted up doctors, and why we think WebMD sucks, among many other things. It's an episode that we never really officially released at any point, but it's a fun one filled with stories from med school and insights about what happens when keeping it real goes right. Hope y'all enjoyed as much as we enjoyed making it. And if you haven't already, pretty pleased with brown sugar on top, consider leaving us a review on iTunes and follow us on our various social media channels. Much love and gratitude to you guys and gals. You're listening to the one and only Medicine Remixed. Who's got a face tattoo that, that's worked? I mean, Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson. worked fairly well for him. I'm a dysfunctional motherfucker. Now it is. But, but when he first got it. But, I mean, I thought it was better when he first got it because he was still crazy. Now he's, like, sane. Have you heard him talk recently? Like, being bullied, you contract um, really disgusting um, terminal cancer in you. It's something you never forget. You just never forget it. It's anyway, um, 
brutally beaten, attacked, just any, any way anybody could be bullied, just bullied, robbed, taken advantage of. But once I met Cuff, um, the motto was a totally, I believe bully was all psychological now, you know? The only reason I allowed him to do that because my fear allowed, my fear um, consumed me and allowed him to take advantage of me. I didn't know that when I was a kid. So I looked at bullying totally different now. I mean, he's always, he was always an intelligent guy that did unintelligent things. Right. I like to do what I want to do. But uh, when he had it, I think it fit his persona. He was biting people's ears and shit. And, you know, he was really living up to it. Uh -huh. And then he had like random, he's got like a, like a Mao tattoo, doesn't he? Yeah. And then like a Che tattoo on his body. What is that? I don't even know. Um, two communists, not dictators, but leaders. Yeah, revolutionaries. Oh, like a Mao, a Mao, yeah. Mao Zed, what is his name? Mao yeah. Zedong? Yeah. And, uh, and a Che tattoo. I think those are the two. But anyway, in terms of face tattoos, who's successfully had face tattoos? Um, what do you mean successfully? Like, Where like, it goes. It works. It's like, oh, that, that looks good. Yeah. Nobody. I, I, I've seen some face tattoos that work, or surprisingly. Huh? I guess the games is pretty... Game over. Yeah, like it works for that. It fits what he's doing, you know? Like, that works. Uh, you don't see, you know, a face tattoo on, you know... Uh, a doctor? Uh, yeah, a doctor. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some, some tatted up docs. Oh, and, yeah. And some tatted up yeah, dentists. Yeah, yeah. You know who has a... Uh, you, guys, you guys know Lars, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Lars, yeah, the... Yeah. the the ED doc? Yeah. He's got a tattoo, and he was like the last person I thought that would get a tattoo. And he has it on his forearm, oh, yeah. which is, you remember that? But uh, I always thought that was a, a, a weird place to get it because we use our hands. Especially if you're wearing scrubs and, yeah. you know, you can see it out in the open. But I mean, what fucking difference does it make, really? Right, but, right. That's what I was, I was going to say, know. though. If you're a patient, though, if we're, yeah. you know, we're working around am I people, or am I being Joe Plummer? No, but I mean, I guess it's hard for us to kind of like yeah, step so out. Yeah, so you're asking that. me to, if I was Joe Plummer. Right, that right, right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't give a shit, and I think it's kind of cool. Um, but... The scenario that always pops up is, so your mom's in the hospital, right? And she's had a heart attack or a stroke or something. And then this guy comes in with neck tattoos. Oh, God. You know, is that the person that you necessarily want to see first? Not to say that it's going to compromise their care. But is that the face you want to see? Or is that the face that you're going to feel comfortable with? I think 20 years ago, it was an absolute no. Well, I don't think people would have wanted that. But now, I don't I don't. And I'm pretty progressive, so... And that sounds so douchey. I'm so progressive, guys. I don't know if you knew. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you knew that about me, but I'm super progressive. But I'm okay with that stuff, you know? Like, it doesn't bother me. And I've actually thought about getting tatted yeah, up. And, and, yeah, all over my face. Uh, particularly my large nose. Just tattoo my nose. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. My eyelids, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, keep it real, real. But, no, I've thought about... Keeping it real goes wrong. Like, I have, I have uh, some ideas that I would have for a sleeve, but you want to know what I picture in my head? I picture me going into clinic and wearing one of those uh, Dwight Howard armband thing or arm uh -huh. to cover up just because in case people might feel uncomfortable, mm. you know, and then start a cool story like I, I got burned in a fire or something. That's why I wear it. But <laughs> I, I, I would do it out of a courtesy to not make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm that guy, like, if I'm listening yeah. to music and there's, right. like, cussing in it and I and an old lady pulls up right. next to me in the car, right. I turn and down my music. Down. But wouldn't you turn your radio down? 100. Right. Yeah, I'm that guy. Right. So, I, I'd feel like I'd have the same approach with the tattoo thing. Yeah. Probably. You know, but... How would you feel like I, I, I mean, when I, when I started med school, for example, I was I had the chin strap, I had studs in both of my ears, yeah. and for like the first, I remember that guy. Yeah. Yo, all oh, you sucker MCs ain't got nothing on me. From my grades to my lines, you can't touch Kevin G. 
Yeah, we would be going to clinic, and I'd be going like that, like, yo, this is this is me, this yeah. is me, whatever. But then after a while, like, I kind of kind of felt the same way. I'm just like, you know, I don't know for for whatever reason, this to me, and not saying that the next guy shouldn't be doing this, but you know, I had to I had to take him out for me because I I started feeling uncomfortable. Huh. So it kind of changed my look after after starting the whole medical thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? I definitely remember, um, I guess, first year, we all come in from different undergrads and postbacks <laughs> and whatever. And, you know, it's kind of like we bring our style, bring all of our experiences together. Right. And it's a different world when you're going from, you know, undergrad or whatever kind of training to graduate training you right know, it's not like grad school where nobody cares what you look like what you do most of the time as long as you're doing your work in the lab and doing your presentations right. but with this this is it's not the same kind of schooling you right know, right a lot not the same kind of training because essentially you're interfacing every day with these people that you're going to be working with more or less every day and right. every impression that you have with them just stays with you real life or even if you go to a different hospital and follow you you know so i remember being very cognizant of just that that idea of i've got to be a little bit more cautious of i want you if that was because you're black though Oh, we don't. People haven't even introduced yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Benny was wondering who that sexy. Yeah, that suave, the ladies, man. We were all classmates in med school, and uh, I think Leroy, we became friends pretty late. We didn't hang out like right away, and I know I didn't hang out with Reese till the last year, really. Wow. But uh, we all went to school together, and I don't know. You just want to talk about what you do now, or you don't have to get specific. Just you know. I'm a, a resident in the specialty known as physical medicine and rehabilitation. Mm. Big mouthful means a whole lot of stuff very simply put after someone's had surgery strokes spinal cord injuries a bunch of other things and the surgeons are done the generalists are done it's kind of what next how do you get back home how do you get to be independent right not physical therapy i'm the doctor that talks do you get that a lot do you yeah so what do you what do you say is that what i do is i say i am the doctor who makes the diagnosis and then talks with the therapist about what i think is the best next step Mm -hmm. in terms of approaching it because i mean the truth is there are therapists that have been working in physical therapy occupational therapy for 20 years so it's not like i know physical or occupational therapy or any other intervention more than they do right but i have the medicine side and i have some of the knowledge you know especially the new things that are happening and from our literature what is it that we're looking for what are is it that we're avoiding because those are some of the things that might be gaps in their knowledge base so that's Mm -hmm. kind of how i go about explaining what i do that's awesome man yeah And so to get back on what we were talking about, uh, this idea of, of what you do uh, following you, you know, this this idea of uh, the perception I give to, to patients and, and other healthcare workers, yeah. you know, nurses, other docs, um, how much of or did you ever or did it ever even come into your psyche or is it something you carry around with you uh, of being an African-American male, being a black male? Do you feel like that was extra weight on you, especially in medicine? Because I think we all feel it to a certain degree being minorities, you know, to some degree or another. But did you feel that intensified? Did it not change? Is it not something that bothered you once you got into medicine? And it's like now you're interesting question. I think that I always had that understanding, you know, probably from high school or so when I just started to realize between the sacrifices that my parents had made and just how things had played out in my life that I was going to have opportunities that Mm -hmm. I needed to really make 
count, you know. Mm. And I had just the neighborhood kids that I that I grew up with, the kids that I knew that were, you know, kind of stuck in the cycle. I was just thinking about them and thinking about, you know, my nieces and nephews and and everybody that I was going to more or less represent, mm. you know. And so with that weight, if you want to call it, I approached, you know, everything. I remember getting to college and, you know, a lot of people, you can, you know, ask some of the people who met me in my first year of college, kind of I rubbed them the wrong way. And it was in part because I think I was unsure as to how I was going to continue being who I was, being who I wanted to be in this Mm -hmm. new environment. But I always had this idea of I'm representing this place and these people that, you know, from where I come from and I'm bringing them with me. And my hopes is that once I get to where I'm going, that they will also follow. So, Mm -hmm. you know. There was always that kind of idea in right. my mind of I'm not just here to play around. I'm really here for the education, right. to, to make the connections, but also, you know, there there are people back home. There are people even that I haven't met that are not in my home, but you know, something like it right. that I want to see me and be able to say, you know, I I, I want to do that. Right. So. Huh. so- it sounds like a little bit of both, uh, yeah. a little bit of play of you learning your place and, and trying to figure out who you wanted to present and who you wanted to be. The thing that you remember, uh, Steven? Yeah, Right. Course. Okay. Well, uh, we played basketball. You know, big guy. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, I ran into a situation where I was in um, in one of our PBLs, one of the small yeah, group yeah, learning things. Problem based learning. And it's groups. basically, you know, 10 people. 10 med students and we're basically teaching each other that's the way it worked you know for the first two years of med school you have these classes and uh i had a a a run-in with a one of the instructors who was leading the the class i said something i was doing my learning objective thing i was presenting to the class and he stops and he asked the class do you guys understand him and i thought to myself whoa what did i say that he that would prompt him to ask in kind of that condescending tone do they understand me? Ugh. And this was first year. So I'm wearing like my LRG jeans. I'm wearing yes. like, you know, a, 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 a starter jacket. Mm-hmm. And I got like my California Angels cap on backwards, you know. And, and wearing a starter jacket inside, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's how it's cold upstate New York is. <laughs> so, so, uh, so anyway, um, I'm sitting there and I'm try- I'm looking at the faces of all the people in, in, in the class and I'm trying to figure out like, whoa, what did I say? I mean, I, I know for sure I didn't start the, you know, my presentation with, yo, 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 what's up? Like, here's my, you know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of let him go and everybody said, yes, they all understood. And then he said, proceeded to say literally exactly what I said, which confused me more because then I thought, what did I say? Because I thought that's exactly what I said. Yeah. So anyway, he repeats it. I was the last person to go. So after that okay any questions no he gets up and leaves and i stop and uh there's this kid drew and i i said drew uh just between you and i what what just happened man and he goes dude i have no idea but i don't think that dude likes you <laughs> and i said all right I, so it's not just me he's like no he repeated exactly what you said i'm kind of confused and i said okay so uh you know a day passed and then the day after that we we have the class again and i see him and the same thing happened what and i turned to him and i, and I, <laughs> really? and I say to him do you have a problem with me oh shit like, do you have, and so everybody's getting uncomfortable, right? And I said, and I don't mean that to be rude because I'm uncomfortable around you. So it's wrong of me to think that you don't have the right to be uncomfortable around me. If I make you uncomfortable, that's fine. But if you have something against me as a person, you need to separate that from me, the student, because I don't want this to affect my grade. Right. 
and uh, he didn't like that, and kind of made. How do you respond to that? Uh, he was this German dude, so I don't remember. I don't understand what the hell he was talking about. But uh, he said uh, something. It was inappropriate what I was doing or whatever. And then, and so I got kind of. I said, well, I think what you're doing is inappropriate. So my point is, after all this happens, we just kind of brush it off. And the other kids in the class say to me, "Listen, if you want to take this to like the honor board, which is like our school court, uh-huh. uh, we're behind you." And I was like, "I'm not gonna fucking take this to the honor board. Get out of here." Um, so. Now I'm really self-conscious about it because I'm walking into class and first off, I'm not talking to anybody. I don't know these people. I don't want to know these people. I I was in in the sort of mind frame where we're from different places, man. And I had so many little interactions with students where they'd say, oh, you clean up well when I had to wear a tie. And I was like, what am I, fucking hobo? Would you find me on the street? And like, I clean up well? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. That's not what I meant. But so I would just give them that look. And then I had those odd conversations where other med students would come up to me and say, oh, what's your portfolio look like? What the fuck are you talking about? Portfolio? Stock portfolio? Yeah. And this kid says, oh, your parents don't buy you stocks? What? And I was like, uh, nah, dude, my parents don't buy me stocks. And he's like, oh, well, you... This if is, they did... Hold on, but this, like, is how yeah. not, this is how ridiculously in a different world this kid is from. He says to me, uh, oh, your parents don't buy you stocks? Well, you should really talk to them. They should buy you stocks. And I was like, uh, yeah, dude, I know what stocks are, but that's this conversation's cult- over. That's, that's a, what I said that's to the kid. culture shock right? right there. Yeah, so this is all first year, right? So I'm thinking like, oh, man, I, I really don't like this place. So I just stopped talking to people. I was like, I'm, you're not going to understand where I'm from. I don't understand where you're from. Just let me get through med school and get the hell out of here. Uh-huh. Um, so somehow this rumor started that my dad was a plastic surgeon. Some girl came up to me because at this point, people wanted to know me, but I wasn't like making myself available. So these rumors would just start, right? So this girl says, oh, your dad's in plastics, right? And I was like, yeah, my dad's in plastic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that perpetuated it for another good year and a half that my dad was a plastic surgeon and all this stuff. So, um, but I was really distant from everybody. And Steven comes up to me. This was years, like two or three years after that. And, uh, says something we were talking something about clothes and he's like yeah your wardrobe will change and i was like what, what are you talking about he's like it'll change you, you'll you'll change it and i was like no why would i change it like what, what's there to change and he's like yeah i thought the same thing like uh you know i came in here with my jays on and everything and uh but you learned that you, you can't be that guy no. and i remember thinking like fuck you man like fuck you first off you're a sellout already i hate you you think i'm a sellout why because I live in a big house where I dress a certain way? Or maybe it's because I like Barry Manilow. You mean Barry White, y'all. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then I found out later, he's from, from a pretty well-off family, and, you know, and he's, I wouldn't consider him a friend, but I don't have beef with the guy, you know? Yeah, but, but also, you're from different places. We were from, but he was black, and I think right. he wore the black on him. Like, right. people look at me and expect me to be that black to guy. Be, yeah. be the black but guy. But he was, like, right. the whitest black guy I had ever met. Well, maybe growing up where you did has made you a little touchy. But I think you've blown this whole thing way out of proportion. If you look at the facts. Right. And even that's almost a little racial to say, like, oh, you know, what does it yeah. mean to be a white yeah. black guy? That's quite racialist, to be honest. But in the context of where people looked at him, they expected him to be that other kind of black guy. Yeah. You know this gears too? Yo, how you playing me, Prince? <laughs> and he was instead the educated black guy that didn't want people to know that he was the educated black guy, really. So wanted as much hood cred as he could get without actually having to be from the hood. Uh-huh. You know, that type of guy. Yo, you dissing me! Oh, shit! So it was a weird sort of where I realized wow like what exactly is my role in this I like when people look at me am I like the Spanish kid am I am I that guy Dolly. and 
it really started to bug me because then then I started to better understand uh, whether I like it or not. I'm representing a lot more than just me. Yep. You know, what, will. like whether I want that to be the case or not, that's what it's going to be. So uh, it was a burden, man, because another time in PBL, somebody said, well, no, no, no. David said that people in those neighborhoods. What? A girl said, and I'm sitting right there. And I stopped. I was like, in those. Yeah. And I said, uh, first off, I am not the hood representative for poverty. Like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, no, what, are you, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, isn't that what you said? Good poverty comes through me. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I was like, that's that's an awful thing to say, man. Like, I don't. I told you what I know. Right. I told you what my experience is. That's not. I don't represent every poor neighborhood. What yeah. is wrong with you to yeah. even think that? I want to be, the only way I've, I've been practicing my whole life to live my life is to be responsible for what I do. I don't know how to be responsible for what every black male did. I don't know. I, yes, I am going to say that I'm a thug. That's because I came from the gutter and I'm still here. Yeah. You know, listen, I didn't realize I was poor until I moved out of the neighborhood. Mm. I, didn't realize I, I didn't realize everybody, most people had their dad in their house. Like, I didn't. You know, people's parents were buying them stocks. Yeah, I, I had. <laughs> I didn't even you know, know what a stock was. I, did, I had no idea. Like you didn't have boat shoes. No, I didn't <laughs> have boat shoes. That's another story. Jesus. Um, but I, I really had no idea. Like in that same class, I referenced my white friend, and I, I my, the sentence went, "My white friend Cora," and everybody got super <gasps> quiet. And I was like, "Oh, like what I say?" And this girl leans into me, and she goes. Oh, you said your white friend. I was like, yeah, because he's white, man. He's my one white friend. And she goes like this, like she signals like around the table. She's like, we're all white and most of our friends are white. And we don't introduce our black friend by saying our black friend. And I was like, well, listen, my it's white friend. Probably because you don't have any black friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> First of right? all. So I, it, it, that struck me because my whole life, that's how I prefaced it. You know, because then people knew who I was talking about. My white friend, Corey, the white guy that hung out with us. Everybody knew him. Yeah. And we loved him because he was a white guy who wasn't trying to be anything other than white. Like he, long hair, Rage Against the Machine, give a shit. You get in his car, you're listening to Megadeth, go fuck yourself. He's not putting on anything else. Right. We loved him for that. But his dad and his mom were married and we would make fun of him because he had a mom and a dad. <laughs> Like, it, yeah, like the joke was yeah. the joke was on him, you know. So I mean that that's yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's th a because world. that's how much it was normal for us to just be raised by single moms. Uh, that, right. that was our norm. He was odd man out. Right. So that sort of like whatever this weird. Uh, uh, it was just different. It wasn't the norm for me in med school. But that sort of uh, I don't know shell shock really bothered me and became an issue the first two years of med school when it came into play where it was handy was when we started actually interacting with patients Patients, yeah. right, right then it was like you know what fuckers nothing they taught you in class is gonna yeah. help you right now yep. this person hates you so get out i'll talk to them right like nothing that they could have learned because how many classes did you sit in in like humanities where you thought to yourself who the fuck is this lecture for you have to be told this and then you looked around the classroom you're like ah it's for you yeah. it's for that guy right, right there you know it's a weird sort of like are we doing it wrong are we trying to teach people to be like everybody else that mm -hmm. they're going to be caring for because they're so different mm -hmm. the people that are going into medicine yeah. we're trying to teach them to be normal i mean you know forgive them because that's all they know they were that's the life i don't fault people for growing up you know god willing my kids are gonna have all the shit that i made fun of everybody else for having sure that i wanted yeah. you know so you know i don't blame them for growing up in that environment they're lucky as shit but that's not necessarily helpful when they are dealing with patients you know they grew up privileged they just don't know anything else and most people that you deal with are more average joe right 
you know and i i've always wondered like what are we doing wrong what is medicine doing wrong are we just not looking for the right things? Are we not, uh, in terms of getting people into med school? There's a gap, man. There's a weird, weird yeah, gap. What, yeah, what does that say as far as you being able to connect to more people yeah. in the hospital because they're from a similar type of world? Right. You know, what does that say about the sickest people and the ones that are, you know, need the most as far as medical care? Yeah. Like, it brings up a lot of issues, like, you know, just access, just education, like, so so many different things. That cultural awareness is not something that you're going to get from a diversity day. No. You could try, I guess, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's worth trying, isn't it? I want you to take the card and I want you to put it on your forehead. Take a card, any card. And I want you to treat other people like the race that is on their forehead. Oh, God. Part of it is desire. I mean, yeah. we always talk about insight. You know, insight, how important it is for anyone with any type of medical condition, psychiatric condition. Having insight is a great prognosis compared to someone who doesn't. Right. Having insight and realizing this is where you are, this is where you're from, this is what you know, and this is the rest of the world and how you relate to it. Mm. If you are actually interested in what other people might be bringing to the table, I think that you'll try to approach it in a, a little more cautious manner, you know, just understanding that you're going to be giving and you're going to be taking. You know, every person that you're going to encounter is going to have something that you can learn from mm -hmm. and something that you can hopefully teach them. If you have that, I think it will take us a lot further. But if you don't understand that, you're just going to run into the wall all yeah. the time of <clears throat> clashing with people, clashing with colleagues, clashing with patients, missing a lot of stuff. I don't know, man. It's huge. I mean, how much do you see, though, and without, you don't have to give names or say what place you were working when you saw it or if you see it, um, but there's a lot of contempt for people who come from, you know, uh, higher income, higher socioeconomic status for people of lower socioeconomic status and the way they handle their diseases. Mm. You know, it's like this privileged kid who became a doctor is now dealing with this patient who is poor and has all these critiques of how they're not managing their blood pressure. And I mean, this person doesn't care. That's why they're like this because they don't care. Yeah. Fuck their own life. Up. Yeah. Instead of, in, instead of taking the approach from the very beginning, does this person understand what their disease is? Right. Has anybody ever spoken to them in English that they understand and broken it down and told them why it's important yeah. versus just wagging the finger at them and saying, <laughs> your blood pressure is high. And then from there on, you're referring to blood pressure as hypertension. And this person's like, ah, I guess they're kind of the same thing. And you just assume that it, you know, they understand. But they have so much contempt for these people, yeah. for the poor. And you know what? Some people don't care about their health, rich and poor. Right. You know, but have you felt that? Have you seen that where colleagues or people you've, you know, crossed paths with from even different departments where you, you can sense that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, us going through this path, we definitely get jaded. We get frustrated. You know, at some point we might have had a lot of very pure good intentions and along the way with all of the hours and whatever you want to call it you just lose some of the purpose or reason that you got yeah. into it so even if it was you know some kid who was from a well-off family by the time they get to interacting with patients they're a lot of times not the same kid mm -hmm. even if they are the same kid like we were talking about before just trying to figure out what the problem is you know that's huge but it's not something that people do often you know we can definitely think of examples of how people will just say okay well this person clearly just doesn't want to do it right. just can't get it but you know you just can't help these people yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and we just throw our hands up yeah. and yeah. then and then that person conversely just stops coming to clinic sure you know 
And then you see him, you know, in the ED with some horrible preventable disease that's gone way too far. Information's everything, man. And just because everyone that's around us at all times has a smartphone. What was that statistic that you said um, about the percentage of people that actually have access to the Internet? Yeah. What would you guess? Like in their home, how in America, what percentage of people have access to the Internet? 50%. The number was like between 40 and 60. That's so surprising. Because first off, you know what I used to think, man? I used to read statistics about computers. How many computers? Computers were in the home, mm-hmm. and then when I started working with these kids in the, in the, the, the summer programs that I do, yeah. you want to know how many of them have computers but don't have the internet? To me, they were the same thing. Like, right, that's how right, stupid right. I am. It's like you almost know? the whole point of having yeah. a computer now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, they're telling me like, "Oh yeah, I have a computer," and I was like, "Oh, send me an email." They're like, "Oh, I don't have internet." And I thought, "Holy fuck, have I gone too far to you know?" I forgot that. Like buying a computer and being able to afford one's one thing, mm-hmm. and then paying you know a monthly fee for. Have to have access to the internet and then have good access this is 40 bucks a month man for people who don't have a car who don't you know this is a totally different world so the access to the information the information's there they can uh, go to a library i guess right. but we all know the benefit of having internet available to you in your home 24 7 it's sure. huge facebook Facebook, yeah, Facebook, Facebook. Yeah, 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 Twitter, yeah, all that, all that stuff. So the information is one thing, man. But you guys understand that you guys are the conduit for for that information because do you view your job as distilling all this fucking medical jargon into language that people understand? Like how Should much of be. that? Yeah, but how much yeah. of that is a conscious part of your? Like when you read something, like how much of you do you feel actually internalizes and says, "All right, how would I express this to somebody with an efficiency of words where they get it?" I would honestly say a lot of what we're doing is just acquiring knowledge for ourselves and then somewhere along the way we honestly take for granted that we're going to somehow be able to translate this language that we have picked up from journals and everything and we're going to do it well yeah i think that we probably take it for granted and uh probably overestimate just dude you're so right man you're so right are able to do that because how many times have you caught yourself in the middle and been like that's a terrible fucking explanation they don't understand this but in your head you're like i'm good at this right i'm gonna do it and then you do it it's just awful and And when you're going through the process when you're coming up through med school you're just like oh i'm I'm never gonna be that yeah exactly not saying that everyone's like that but you have to make a conscious effort because you forget when you're surrounded by your colleagues most of the day and you're talking a different language medicine is a language in its own right that jargon that we're talking about that you have to get outside of that when you're explaining things to your patients we've all been in that situation where you do give a good explanation and the patient's just like why didn't why didn't someone say that why didn't like you're the first fucking person that that was able to and admit that that's awesome that gives you it makes you feel great but at the same time like it but do you feel the, yeah. the misses too, where you do it and you're like, uh, of course, uh, yeah, it's something that you have to practice yeah. like anything else. The problem is you're not allotted time for that. You're not allotted time to work on your translational skills, you know, between switching from doctor talk to, you know, patient talk. I think that's why I was always really focused when an attending would talk to some, a patient. Mm. If they said something really well, I would make a note of it and be like, that is a fucking great yeah, way to say it. Yeah, a great way to you say know? it. But they sucked at everything else. They just had that one good explanation. Mm. And I think there's one neurologist that we all know who I'm talking 
talking about who isn't the best communicator mm -hmm. um, but yeah. he would say some things to patients yeah. and I'd be like that's an awful explanation you're talking jargon they don't understand you yeah. and then some he'd say and I'd be like that's a great analogy and I would consciously make notes and I, I mean I, I would also do that for you know other situations where I get in an argument and I remember like an exact phrase to yeah. say course, so yeah. maybe you know that's just me but um, that skill though that's a great point that I I often overestimate how good I'm at translating that medical information but what's actually helped a lot is this injury duty stuff writing these articles the, which by the way you, you should start writing for us man in, in some capacity I think uh, and this wasn't all a clever ploy to get you to write for us um, <laughs> That's what this is I'm, I'm not that smart I'm not that today. smart but to be real honest uh, there's been a bunch of times where I'm typing out you know I, like I don't know if you what's, a, what's a, uh, the flu article I don't know if you read our flu article um, typing that out where I catch myself and it's like that is doctor talk dude and you literally thought that that was street talk you thought that you were bringing it to a level where most people would understand but i've so elevated my you know vocabulary that i sometimes i don't even notice that i'm i'm in about where i came from yeah i'm, I'm like in, i'm in nerd speak man you know yeah. don't even know it something that i actually have started to do is look at you know how like uh medline or some of these other mm -hmm. med web md people yeah they'll put patient information or even like up to right date, yeah like articles, the patient version patient yeah version. which I is <laughs> made myself read it uh -huh. interestingly you know from the doctor standpoint it can be frustrating uh -huh. to, or even to see what the new york times or some <laughs> someone how they will how they break it down break down an article yeah mm -hmm. it can be really frustrating from the scientific medical standpoint sure like yeah. that's what you got or that's how you put that there's so many things missing but at the same time it's pretty good in terms of making you hear what things need to sound like sure when they're not targeted towards you as a healthcare professional mm. yeah so it's just like you know any other thing where you try and get used to how you want things to sound mm -hmm. or reading patient information yeah. or things yeah. that are written yeah. in that way right will allow you to translate a little bit more. are you convinced that those are good because uh, rich and i get in this argument all the time i think webmd is fucking awful don't, don't, yeah. and don't, don't. i because so many things that i read on webmd i wouldn't have understand if i hadn't gone to med school no, it's, still it's like i get it i get it but you know why i get it because i get it beyond what they're explaining yeah. i can fill in the gaps where if i were a lay person yeah. those gaps they can't fill them in they're just reading those and words you know what it is you know, I, I think it's good for a certain demographic of people that mm. went to traditional schooling yeah. and that kind of thing and have like it's a, great you know, a baseline. Yeah. yeah. But for the kid that has the computer at home with no internet yeah. or that same kid that's coming into your clinic, you know, that WebMD article or that type of site yeah. is not for them. And I think one of the most underrated skills when we're talking about it, juggling? we know that huh? juggling? juggling is yeah. so yeah. underrated. It is. Man. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but knowing your audience, man, whether you're a comedian, yeah. whether you're a doctor, yeah. whatever it is, knowing your audience is one of the biggest skills that, that you can acquire. But you know what that yet. requires, man? Self-awareness. Major key. Absolutely. I think that's the problem is that that's a huge precursor. Yeah. I don't think people are self-aware enough of. It's always amazing to me when if I'm talking to somebody and I tell them like where I come from and my background and they're always surprised. A part of me is offended. Like, mm -hmm. the fuck did you think I was? You know, but. I also have to acknowledge that I don't look like that kid anymore. I don't right. look like that. You know, like I'm not that kid anymore. Yeah. I, granted, I embody all those experiences, yeah. but I'm not him, man. Mm -hmm. 
And that hurts a little bit because I want to be him. I, I want I want to have the best of both worlds. I want that to be convenient. I want my hood cred because I earned it. And, and, and I want my, my cred in the hospital because I feel like that's earned too, you know. But the reality is you, you let go of one of those whether you like it or not. And sure, you can draw from those experiences. But it's hard when you're wearing a, a tie and hard bottom shoes to talk to that kid and say, yo, I, I get it. I get it. Like I've 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 lived through that. Right. Because you hope they understand you and you hope they get you, but you're still forced to play the hospital game yeah. and be that professional. Mm-hmm. You know? But you're trying to get this person to understand where you're just not making it seem like a sob story. Like, yeah, man, I get it. I know what it's like to have, you know, a sibling addicted to meth. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, why would they feel any connection looking at me? Yeah. You know? Right. Like they, they shouldn't. There's really nothing. That's hard, man. That's a leap. Um yeah, I don't know if you guys have uh, any parting words. We generally, we, now that the, the rule is we leave it up to the guest. If they have words of wisdom that they want to uh, leave us with. And then right after you finish, we make fun of you. And then we end the podcast. Yeah. Any, uh, any parting words? Anything you heard recently? A quote? Uh, something you saw that you thought was worth sharing? Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nothing? Yeah, nothing. That's, that's, that's all right, man. That's all right. Because I don't all have right. shit either. I was hoping you'd, you'd close us out with a bang. Uh, but, yo, thanks for coming by. It's been a long time coming. Uh, who knows? If you like it, if you listen to it, and you feel like it was worth coming out, fucking come out. And listen, we've had conversations where I know you could shed some light on some conditions that people would, would love to hear, man. And believe it or not, man, we have friends who write in and tell us that, that the stuff we talk about and the stuff we're doing, that it's helped them. They love it. They bother us to do another podcast. They don't bother us, but people are listening and people give a shit. And I think we kind of have an obligation being the kind of people we are. I don't know, kind of give back a little. And we'd love to have some writings from you. Talk to your secretary. How how dare you? How dare you? All right. Well, uh, that's it, man. I I got nothing else. You guys? Nah. All right. That was fun. All right. Love you guys. We'll We'll be back soon. We'll be better. I swear. Every day. All right. Peace. Peace. Please do your part. The podcast, share them if you like them. If they're good, spread the word. We've been getting incredible feedback, man. And to those of you who have written in, thanks. Those who haven't, man, feel free to do it. I know for me, man, it's it's been pretty incredible. Some of the feedback we've gotten has been, I mean, to be real honest, like life changing, like really. Yeah, impactful. I mean, you know, even if uh, one person's listening and benefiting from this, that's yeah, enough motivation for me to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, keep up the good work. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. And we got a lot of things coming up, man. Any words of wisdom? Stay hungry. Stay hungry. I agree. Uh, But eat healthy. (laughs) But eat healthy. Medicine Remixed.